Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Hey, everybody. I uh, got one today uh, with a guest you're going to find really interesting on uh, an intriguing subject that's uh, covered in a way which is edifying, enjoyable, and with a few laughs. You know, for a change. I've decided to mix things up. Uh, My guest is Tim Kendall, who, as uh, one of the top executives at Facebook early on, was in charge of monetization of Facebook. In other words, He was the guy that Zuckerberg put in charge of figuring out the business model for Facebook to maximize the amount of money that uh, the company would make. And wouldn't you know it, at least from the standpoint of that goal, making the company, you know, a going concern, he really did a commendable job. On the other hand, it turns out uh, there's been kind of a dark downside Uh, to the success of this business model, which is essentially uh, treating Facebook's users not so much as their customers but as their product, meaning that advertisers would pay Facebook uh, for access to its users to advertise to them. And the really, really tech-savvy programmers at uh, Facebook developed this artificial intelligence, these algorithms to keep track of every Facebook user and what they liked and what kept them on the platform. And eventually, the algorithm they developed knew more about each user and what kept him or her uh, engaged and uh, how to maximize that for the advertisers and develop these bells and whistles that kept people on the platform and uh, learned what worked, and it turned out that it would be addictive and affect uh, folks' uh, mental health, uh, particularly adolescents. And uh, Facebook understood that some people are invested in in politics and, of course, would uh, feed them stuff that confirmed uh, their, their biases. And the algorithm discovered that some people became addicted to more and more extreme versions of the xenophobic messages that they were drawn to and weird conspiracy theories and stuff about political enemies being pedophiles who drank uh, 
blood of, of children that uh, were kept in uh, the basement of a pizza parlor. And each of the 2.4 billion or so human beings on Facebook had their own AI-curated feed. And the Russians in 2016 were working both sides and did everything they could to divide Americans and undermine Hillary, who they assumed would win, uh, just to undermine Americans' faith in her and government and uh, just our democracy. And it worked out so much better than they possibly could have imagined or hoped for. And and uh, this cycle, because our intelligence services uh, were on to them, they didn't even bother to create a lot of false uh, narratives. They just repeated and amplified the ones that Americans uh, were putting out. So now we have a president who is actively <laughs> completing the task of undermining our democracy, and uh, pretty much every Republican in Congress is going along with it uh, because— they're afraid of Trump and his base, and uh, they want to be in office, and they want to go to the caucus lunch, and it's a disgrace. So there's this film on Netflix, a Social Dilemma, about all this, and over 40 million folks have, have watched this on, on Netflix, and uh, a number of former Facebook and Google and other Silicon Valley folks are in this film, they sound the alarm, and one of them is Tim Kendall. And Tim is my guest, and I think you're going to find this one fascinating, informative, and dare I say, very enjoyable. You know, for a change. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me learn real-life conversation in German. For example... Let's say you wanted to order soup with your dinner. Die Suppe würde mir auch gefallen. That means the soup. <laughs> that, means, that means I would also like the soup. And that way, I get soup with dinner. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash franken. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash franken, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash franken. Rules and restrictions may apply. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. When did you work at Facebook? Uh, 2006 to 2010. 2006 to 2010, okay. I, w I watched the, the movie um, uh, Social Dilemma. And it said that you were in charge of developing the monetization of Facebook. Is that correct? Correct. 
So you're to blame. <laughs> God, I guess in part, that's true. In part? Really? <laughs> Just in part, huh? Well, I wasn't the only one there. I know, but you were charged the monetization. You could have gone like, you know how we're going to monetize it? Uh, people use it and then send in contributions. That's true. Well, we did. We looked at that. You looked at that. <laughs> okay. And how fast did you cross that off? Well, we looked at that and we looked at doing re like market research. So we, we built a polling product that allowed sort of researchers to poll users on various topics. Uh, we built a classified service. We built a virtual gifts, virtual goods service to try to mimic some of the behavior uh, that was taking off in, in Asia. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's a media company. You know, and, and media companies basically for the entire history of media have monetized through advertising by and large. So a media company, now that sounds different than a platform. Well, I mean, I, I think it's semantics in the sense that like. Ooh, but aren't, isn't that an important semantic difference? Well, isn't, isn't that one that, that Facebook sort of, listen, I, I, thanks for being on the show, <laughs> but isn't that one that you guys hide behind a little bit? Oh, absolutely. They bristle at the idea of being a media company. There you and go. So See, I hit, I, I hit a nerve right away. Not your nerve, the bris people bristle. <laughs> people bristle. I think Google bristles when you call them a media company. But ultimately, these businesses are aimed at getting your attention and then getting more of your attention. And, you know, Al, it's not unlike you. There are going to be people who listen to this podcast, and the reason that you want it to be compelling, apart from you know influencing the world, is you want them to come back for the next one. And the reason you want them to come back for the next one is you want influence. And presumably, um, are you ad supported? Absolutely. Right. But you know, behind what I do is I'm trying to, you know, uh, have people come back because. You know, they learn stuff that maybe every once in a while they get a, a chuckle or two or two. By the way, I mean, I'm not aligned with this entirely, but I think Facebook would argue they're doing a lot of good in the world, too, and have done a lot of good in the world. Did you see Social Dilemma? <laughs> I did. You did? I did. Okay. Would you say the takeaway from the movie was... You know, by and large, Facebook does a hell of a lot of good. And then there's a bit of a downside. Is that what the sort of the message of the movie was, you think? No, I don't think that's, I don't, I, it's absolutely not the message of the movie. I think that it is a commentary on a business model gone wrong. Ah. You know, likely the selection of probably the wrong business model gone wrong. So when you were... In charge of monetization. And what does that mean you're in charge of monetization? Were you like, you know, Tim's coming up with monetization ideas, right? Zuckerberg's going to go like, yep, no, 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 yep, 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 no. Or are you going like, is he going like, go ahead, Tim, you figure it out, and that's what we'll do. It's absolutely more the more the former, and it's not just Mark. Uh, you know, Cheryl's involved in this, and 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 a whole group of people, uh, including engineers and 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 business folks. And the idea is like, look, let's let's prototype. In other words, let's build small little examples of these different businesses we can be in, and see how 
they work and see what how users like them and if and if and if users love them or hate them and then at you know at the end of the day we chose advertising as a collective as a group um not unlike yahoo chose advertising and google chose advertising and cbs chose advertising and al franken podcast chose advertising it's a good way to take user attention and turn it into a business. Okay, one of the differences between Facebook and uh, the Al Franken podcast is, I believe Facebook reaches more people. Probably. Yeah, but also, I, I think I am responsible for what I put out there, and Facebook just notoriously is not. And let me, let's go to the premise of this movie for those who haven't seen the movie. Basically is that this has had a unbelievably pernicious effect, which is that the purpose of these algorithms is to keep people on Facebook, right? And that's what the algorithms are tuned to. And one of the main things they're tuned to is uh, keep to keep you engaged is sometimes to get activated it's found that these algorithms find that people who get like little pissed off and agitated they stay on longer correct that's one way anyway as you watch this movie and i can get your critique of the movie but what the movie is basically saying is this is destroying humanity (laughs) now that's 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 pretty negative and that, um, you know, and it goes to the uh, Myanmar and uh, uh, the Rohingya being slaughtered, and that is probably an extreme example. But if you look at the two information universes that Americans, for example, are in, and you have these people on, you know, who are following QAnon and people who are believe Trump won and that this was stolen. There's that kind of universe that the makers of this movie would argue that Facebook has helped make. Is that a correct interpretation of the movie? And and actually, I, I I agree with that. I agree with that view. I wouldn't narrow it just to Facebook. I would say that uh, big social and big social, I call it big social because it's, I think it's as pernicious as big tobacco or big sugar is responsible for this. And big social is, is Facebook and it's, and it's Instagram, which is owned by Facebook and it's YouTube, which is owned by Google and it's Twitter. Right. All these platforms are incredibly harmful at the end of the day. And the the reason that they are incredibly harmful is that it combines an attention extraction based business model with an algorithm, an all knowing algorithm that knows us better than we know ourselves. And by the way, it gets smarter and smarter every day. Now this is AI, right? That's what the algorithm is. It's artificial intelligence. So this is really, really brilliant people have created AI and AI gets smarter. Yes, I mean this is this is uh, AI one hundred and one. If it's unsupervised, I mean to use the term the, the terminology, if it's unsupervised, it really does it as the term implies by itself. To what extent is the AI that creates these algorithms 
supervised or unsupervised at Facebook? I mean, I haven't been there for 10 years, so I couldn't comment to the specifics of it, but I would suspect it's unsupervised. And the best example that, that proves this is that it's pretty clear that the election in 2016 was tipped uh, by virtue of these algorithms. And, and Facebook didn't really understand that, didn't get its arms around that for effectively, as far as we can tell, based on public record for two years. Well, a month after the election, he says um, that's preposterous that we had anything to do with the election. And then two years later, he's apologizing in front of the House and and he's contrite about the fact that they should have done more and that, in fact, they were a big factor. Now, part of it, and I was there when the um, chief legal counsel there uh, testified, and that's when it turned out that the Russians had put ads, a lot of ads on Facebook. They did other things, of course, on Facebook, other things that I think you're describing as well. But they did buy ads. Yes. And uh, I don't know if you watched this this hearing. This in the Judiciary Committee in the Senate. Uh, we had the the guy from uh, <laughs> uh, Facebook. I pointed out that there were ads bought in rubles, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, you know, you guys like are supposed to have like all the data in the world. That's what Silicon Valley is all brags about. We have every, we have all the data in the world, and our data expands, doubles every year. The data we have, and that's that's Silicon Valley. You couldn't put rubles and the Russians together, and uh, evidently he said no, we couldn't. <laughs> And uh, so I said, well, could you at least pledge not to take any ads in the future, political ads, that are paid for in rubles? The general counsel says, uh, uh, no, we can't (laughs) pledge to do that. I go, really? Why not? Well, you know, we, we just can't. Finally, he said, well, you know, it's easy to convert one currency to another. It's very easy. And I said, okay, why would anyone convert currency to rubles to buy <laughs> ads on Facebook? And he, he didn't answer that one. So I didn't feel he was actually operating in complete good faith. Mm-hmm. Is that possible that someone at Facebook might not act in complete good faith? I mean, I think that, that a lot of folks at Facebook, and, and look, I would include myself among them when I worked there 10 years ago, Everybody there, and this is part of the reason I think they've been successful, is I think subject to confirmation bias. And and specifically what I mean by that is I think they're they're especially the leaders there are especially good, and then the employees are follow along in pointing out the good that they do in the world, right? They bring they bring lost family members together, they help bring cancer survivors together in community so that they can support one another. Um, The Arab Spring really happened because of these platforms. So there are a whole set of things that you can always point to, even now, that can convince someone that, oh, yes, there's some bad things that are happening, but that's really just a mirror on the world. That's not a Facebook issue. And look at all these things that we are causally 
impacting that are positive. So there's no adjustment to keep the, the good stuff and try to prevent the bad stuff. That's my view. And that's what I've seen. And I think that's what I think that's what the film sort of suggests, right? Is that is that there's a lot of bad stuff. And if you go back to the beginning of Facebook or beginning ish, and I testified in front of the house and, and, and noted this, from the very beginning, the service was, you know, if I put it in pejorative terms, it was preying upon human weakness. It just started in kind of the social confines. So it preyed on our vulnerability to comparison. It preyed on our vulnerability to popularity. It preyed on our vulnerability to vanity. It preyed on our vulnerability to voyeurism. It did that early, right? And then how I sort of see the arc is that over time, as the service required more and more attention from each and every one of us, it moved on to more incendiary uh, topics. Not that it abandoned those other ones, but it, it added to the mix, right? Its toolkit expanded to misinformation, to uh, conspiracy theories, uh, to, you know, hate speech. Uh, these things also prey on human weakness, right? They go into the part of our brain that, that just gets uh, our instincts. And, and you noted this earlier, right? It's like when I'm angry and upset, there's an addictive pull that's associated with that. And that and that sucks me into the service. And so, you know, I think through through the life of these services, there's there's been an arc of attention extraction. And I'd say in the early days, that attention extraction probably led to on the margin, maybe even more than on the margin, impact on our mental health. And now we know from the data that it absolutely impacts our mental health in a negative way, particularly teenagers. But now, because we've moved into these new categories that have societal ramifications, the services now services are now wreaking havoc on our society in terms of disrupting our democracy, and um, I think really disrupting and 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 twisting what truth is. Roger McNamee in the film, I think, does a nice job of saying, look, we don't have, we no longer have a shared version of truth. We don't have a shared version of truth right now in this country on who's won the election. Yeah, let's be clear that basically what I get on my Facebook feed, if I did have a Facebook feed that I paid attention to, versus what any, any other person has is different, Right. Every individual has a different feed, okay? And your feed gets adjusted to what you're paying attention to. Yes. And the algorithms are incredibly, incredibly sophisticated at figuring that out. And it's based on more data than anybody's ever collected about anything before. The whole purpose of it is to keep you on the platform. That's the whole purpose, right? Yes. And that's monetized by advertising. Yes. So keeping you on as long as possible. So Jaron, I'm sorry, what's Jaron's last name? Lanier? Yes, that's Lanier? right. Jaron Lanier in, in the piece is basically proselytizing that this is ruining uh, humanity and uh, that uh, people are losing their minds and that uh, this is 
just a, a human crisis that's going in one direction. Do you think he has something there? I do. I said in the film that I'm concerned about civil war. In, in this country or in elsewhere? Because we've seen it elsewhere, actually, right? Anywhere. The interesting thing about this business model that is subtle is that, and, and, the, and the AI, is that it's not just about taking Al and, and making him frustrated and angry. What's actually really good business is if I'm on the right, Tim's on the right, Al's on the left. What's really good business, the AI has figured out. And no person said, hey, go do this. This is going to work well. It figured it out on its own. If I can walk Al more to the left tomorrow and Tim more to the right, and I can do that in an imperceptible way each and every day. Wow. At the end of the year, they are going to hate each other. And six months after that, maybe, maybe they'll want to go to a protest. And mm -hmm. that's, that, that has both sides. So there's a, there's a potential for violence and clash. And Facebook did this during the 16 election, would send people on the left to a protest and people to the right to a protest in the same place. Now, the Russians did that, right? The Russians use Facebook to do that. I don't, I don't think Facebook did that, but, but I think it's the... I think it's no, it, but Facebook was used as a platform correct. to do that. Correct. And it was done by the Russian group out of, out of St. Petersburg, right. where they right. would have a rally right. <laughs> you know, against Hillary and a rally for Hillary at the same place and just to get things going. Even without them meddling the same thing does and could happen, right? Well, I think this time, I think in this election in 2020, that our intelligence services and everybody was so on to the Russians that they just said, well, you know what? The American people by now can do it to themselves. Yeah. So there are, <laughs> so there are like, yeah, we, we planted the seed in 16 yeah. and now, gee, we don't need to do a damn thing. Yeah. And, and actually some of the things that the Russians put out this time were generated here. Like they just went, oh, that's a really good one. Let's amplify that. Wow. Yeah. We got the, we got nutcases in the United States doing this stuff for us. They're doing it better than we can do. Right? Yeah. Congratulations, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta keep giving you shit. By the end of this, you'll look fine. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not worried about me. Okay, we're gonna be right back with Tim Kendall uh, after these words. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. 
but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back. We're uh, we're talking to, and by we're talking, I'm talking to Tim Kendall. He is the uh, former head of monetization at Facebook, and he is one of the Silicon Valley folks that are in this uh, this really interesting, really great film, uh, Social Dilemma, that over 40 million folks have watched on Netflix. How many kids you got? Uh, two. Two kids, and and you don't let them on Facebook, right? Well, they're four and six, so they're they're not they're not on Facebook. See, now your kids aren't cooped up in an apartment with a single mom. You're making the exact right point. Oh, I like that. Let repeat that. Repeat that for a second. Well, I just I just think, look, my kids are not. First of all, I'm 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 married. My wife is 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 well, she's working too. But but we can, you know, in the midst of this of this quarantine, we can tag team a little bit. And we're not cooped up in a, an apartment. We're in a suburb with a yard, and we have internet connectivity that's reliable. Wait, you worked at Facebook for how long? I worked there for for five years, and then I was at Pinterest for six years. Yeah, five years. So don't you have another place? You got to have another place where you can go and the kids can run around, right? We have a yard here. I, you didn't answer my question. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a do you have another place in like a beautiful spot where we have, have horses? A, we have like a, a small place <laughs> a few a few hours north of here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so you can get away during this yeah. terrible time. Which, which, by the way, underscores your point even more, right? It's it's like the single mom or dad in an apartment in an urban area doesn't have, first of all, has a full-time job. Maybe they're working two jobs. And they just don't have, they don't have the same degrees of freedom about making choices on behalf of their kids' well-being on a lot of dimensions. And and part of it is being online keeps you occupied. And um, for a single mom with kids, for anybody with kids, that's very tempting. It's very tempting to let them have screen time. And that's a big issue uh, among parents, my kids' generation, which is how much screen time do we allow them and what kind of screen time. Uh, what? Okay, tell me what you think, how we can get out of this horrible dilemma. Well, I think that big social's business model is broken. And I think that we basically just established that. And I think the film established that. So, you know, if I had a magic wand, what I think needs to happen is I think that there needs to be a tremendous effort on the part of, you know, three constituents, really, the leaders of these companies governments, and then consumers. And ideally, these groups, the leaders of each of these groups would come together, put the facts on the table, establish shared truth. And I think that shared truth is that the business model is corrupting our mental health, and it's corrosive to our society. And by the way, all three of these constituents have, have been complicit in this. The consumers 
have been you know willing participants admittedly they may have not had all the facts out you know in terms of how corrosive these things were but they were participants they're probably the least guilty they weren't thinking about this stuff that wasn't really their job to think about the effect of all of this i don't think they just were going wow this is great <laughs> and then they did, and uh kind of didn't understand the forces that were at play right Today, there's there's enough information out there that I think, in part, you know, consumers continue to do things that you know may not be the best for them and the best for society. Yeah, but where do they get their information? I was asking a question I thought was almost ironically funny. Where do they get their information? <laughs> I mean, another, <laughs> okay, it was, but I, it had to be. I had to identify that it was ironically funny. The whole problem here is that this is how they're getting their information. Correct. So it it it, it little is a vicious circle here. They're in terms of their responsibility, the consumers. Okay, you know the, the fact that social the social dilemma the film was viewed. You know, it's one of the most popular documentaries I think ever on Netflix, and that is in part because of algorithmic AI in the Netflix algorithm. People like You're it. right. They saw it. And so guess what? You know, now people don't turn on their cable view. You know, like, I, I don't know. I still do that. I still turn on just cable and just browse the guide. But most people just turn on Netflix and they don't even know exactly what they're going to watch. And pop, you know, social dilemma comes up. And lo and behold, you know, 40, 50 million people have seen it. So we were able to leverage these forces for good arguably. It wasn't like Netflix did. It was like Netflix said, algorithm, do your work. Correct. In the same way that, you know, Facebook doesn't say, you know, disrupt democracy. In Netflix's case, they're a little more contrite than, than Facebook about what they're actually doing. You know, they famously said in an earnings call maybe two years ago that someone asked them about competition and you know, thinking that, you know, they would comment on Apple or Disney or, you know, whoever else is competing for streaming services. And they said, oh, we don't, we really think about our competition as our consumers sleep and their relationships. In other words, that's what competes with your time on Netflix. Ah, so they, they would rather you sleep a little less and have fewer relationships. <laughs> I mean, this, this is where that, that is one of the most helpful explanations of, of how corrosive the business models are. Attention extraction is corrosive because it is at odds with the user's best interests. Because if Netflix gets their way or Facebook gets their way, I sleep less. I don't look after my relationships. What if your relationships are based on discussing what you watched on Netflix with your friends? Uh, boy, <laughs> I think we should spend the rest of our time trying to sort through that. <laughs> no, any well, that's that's sort of what this uh, the the whole movie kind of describes is that the algorithm, this AI, basically does not have the uh, health of <laughs> of the American people, the mental health, the emotional health, <laughs> and physical health of the American people. Uh, it, it it has almost the opposite. Yeah interest so so again what what do we do what do we do how do you how do you fix that again you got us into this mess is what i'm yeah. saying <laughs> you did monetization for facebook this ai is the 
is what you do to monetize the damn thing. That's the most effective way to do it. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> but now get us out of this. I think a couple things need to happen. I think that the company leaders and governments, so sure, start in the U.S., but this is going to ha have to happen globally, need to get together and co-create a path out of this. And it's not fundamentally different, although I'm, I'm advocating that it be more collaborative than what happened with, you know, big auto or energy. But we have, unfortunately, it's taken too long, but we have started to craft a path to get us out of fossil fuel reliance and push us to clean energy. Yes, to hopefully slow down or prevent that catastrophe. Correct. Okay, so now yeah, this catastrophe. Similar existential <laughs> catastrophe on the horizon. Right. And I think what we need to do is sort of acknowledge that. So we've got to get around the table, understand that, hey, we are headed towards, we're headed off a cliff. Mm -hmm. And in order for us to avoid that, we actually need to find the clean energy equivalent business model for big social. You're Mr. Business Model. So tell me what the business model for that is. That's what you said. You got to find a business model to get out of this. What is that? Well, I think it's a I think it's a couple things. Let's let's just take for the moment an example, which is they could charge users, right? Charge users for the service. Give them charge them a monthly fee. Let's just take that as an example. That would probably mean that the business it would take a while for Facebook to build up equivalent amount of revenue and subscription. Yeah, you know, you know, uh, Zuckerberg would have to take might have to take a little bit of a trim at that point. How much? I mean, <laughs> what is he? Is there a point which Zuckerberg goes like, maybe I just reached enough money? People say that. I don't think that's what's motivating Mark. Okay, and what is? I actually think that in his heart of hearts, Mark wants to. I mean, the original mission of the company was to make the world more open and connected. And how's that going? Not well. Okay. And does Mark have any understanding of that? He's smart. He's smart. And I think he's troubled by that. And I think he is trying to, in a, in a first principles type way, figure out without making some sort of near-term course correction that's, that, that creates more problems than we already have today. He's trying to figure out a way out. I don't think there's sufficient urgency and I think he's negligent for that. But I I will say having you know worked with him closely, now I haven't spoken to him for years, but having worked with him closely, I do not think he has malintent and I do not think this is about more money for Mark. Okay. Well, that I I could I can buy both those. I can think that there is a way to fool yourself. Agreed. And I think that there you go. <laughs> this is the Kool-Aid that I think a lot of these companies and its leaders drink. I do think they've diluted themselves through confirmation bias that their platforms are doing more good than harm. And I think that the film makes pretty clear that the balance is, is, is pretty starkly shifted towards harm. Could they think to themselves, you know what, maybe I could shift it toward even more good and less harm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely right. Do you think think he'd be open to that? Absolutely. 
And why haven't we heard anything from him in that regard? So, I mean, I, look, I, I don't, I don't, I think we have heard from him. I just think it's been slower than, than is acceptable. It's fascinating just on this point, Al, the, the, the Wall Street Journal this morning is wrapped in an ad from Facebook. There literally is like a, a, a piece of paper that's wrapped around the print Wall Street Journal, and it's a Facebook ad. And it says, we support updated internet regulations. Ah. We continue to take critical steps to improve and secure platforms. Da, 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 da. We think that there should be regulations that make us accountable on issues, including combating foreign election interference, protecting people's privacy and data, enabling safe and easy data portability between platforms. That, that, that doesn't seem to even really address the central thesis of social dilemma, does it? No, it doesn't. I mean, I think that I think ultimately we need to change the business model. I think the way we've got to do that is we've got to create, I, I don't think you can, you can't shut these businesses down. I guess you could, you'd create a lot of economic destruction that would be, I think, problematic in different ways. So, th so I think the trick is how do you get these businesses off of the fossil fuel, right? Off of advertising and onto the equivalent of clean energy. And I think you got to come up with, well, here are all of our, here are all these examples of clean energy models, subscription, possibly advertising with lots of constraints and controls around it. And here's the path. This is going to take five years. This is going to take 10 years. And governments, we're going to come up with incentives, probably tax incentives to allow this to happen in a orderly way that doesn't destroy a ton of economic value. And penalties if it doesn't happen fast enough. Okay, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around what you just said. It's what is happening, unfortunately, too slowly with energy. It's, it's not the easiest analogy for me to, to grasp. And I, I, I apologize. I, you, listen, you developed the, the, the business model. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Listen, now you're uh, trying to unravel it. And so you're maybe at a higher plane. I don't think it's your, your acumen. Thanks. <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks. Auto automobiles have been relying on fossil fuels, and now there is a path whereby those automobiles need to be zero emissions by a certain point. But we kind of developed the technology to do that, which is electric cars and yeah. that are batteries are ultimately powered by solar and wind. So that's that's that model. That's a little more comprehensible and concrete than uh, the kind of thing I th was trying to understand. I'm saying, Al, let's do the same thing with big social. I, I understand the analogy. <laughs> I understand. I understand it's analogous. Let's fix this like that was fixed. But I don't understand. Um, I understand how you get to uh, zero carbon cars. <laughs> or nearly zero. I don't understand how you get to... Well, let's just take subscription. Let's just take the users paying. Okay, well, that is... Because obviously when, uh, you know, you're not their customer, you're their product. Yeah. That's the whole thing when you don't pay. Yes. So that does turn things around. That's 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 a uh, framework that I can understand. Okay? So why don't we start from there? What does that mean then? That means that if you want to use Facebook, you got to pay $10 a month for it. And, and that would make certain people unhappy. 
like everyone who uses Facebook. Yeah, I, I think that's, maybe, maybe I think that's right. I mean, I think it's, but I think that's unless why. they've seen this film. Unless they've seen the film, and then <laughs> and then they might be happy to because they're so mm-hmm. scared about the fact that that big social's incentives are so misaligned with theirs, and they see the downstream ramifications. I mean, this is this is you know in part and this is what we hoped the film would be. We hoped it would be the inconvenient truth moment for big social in the same way that inconvenient truth, I think changed hearts and minds about the environment and about climate change. So we could actually require this to be taught in schools. Yes. And in fact, you know, to the filmmaker's credit, Jeff Orlowski, he is creating frameworks and programs whereby this film will be, screened it is interesting that we have so little civics education we have so you know that that has been we've just had so many problems in in our educational system in terms of teaching people about democracy and about being citizens and and also about personal finance and there's all kinds of (laughs) yeah nutrition and we've got a lot of a lot of stuff to fix and i think biden will be able to do it uh, once he uh, gets access to the information (laughs) during the transition so yeah okay so uh you're basically saying change the business model so you have to be a subscriber and you have to pay something. I think that's one. I think that's one, maybe the best option, but, you know, perhaps. And is there are there constitutional problems with that? There's got to be all kinds of uh, how long will that be in court? Why would there be constitutional problems with with charging subscribers? Uh, well, because let's say Facebook doesn't want to do it. I think there's got to be a reckoning that happens. And I think this film is the very, very beginning of that, which is, you know, the, the leaders of these companies acknowledging that the business model paired with the AI leads us to a very bad place. So you're saying Zuckerberg sees the film, Zuckerberg sees the film, goes, you know, when you're right, you're right. Okay, we're going to go to a subscription model. That, I don't necessarily see that. I don't, I don't know another path. I know, but the, the, what I'm saying, the constitutional issues are, or the maybe they're not constitutional, maybe they're just legal. I don't know what the difference ultimately would be. It'd be this would be fought. Yes, I would think. Then there's a ultimately, the Supreme Court would decide if it were if it was determined that these were constitutional issues. Which is, what's a platform? <laughs> you know, what's a content provider? What is the commercial issues regarding? Who can do what? Right? Those are the constitutional issues, huh? Yeah, right? and I think if we're going to go down that path, a more adversarial path, which is which is fine, and that may be where we end up, then I think we're going to have to talk about Section Two Hundred and Thirty, which is which we, you know, alluded to at the beginning of this, which is just this notion that Al Franken is responsible for the content on his show, and. There's some liability around that, legal liability. There's none because of Section 230 for Facebook, for the platforms. And that probably needs to change because there probably just there needs to be penalties in order for them to change behavior. That I testified on Section 230 in front of the House last month. Well, you testified on it. Why don't you explain to the audience 
exactly what Section 230 is and what the issues are there and what the change that they believe uh, is needed and what you believe is needed. How's that? So uh, Section 230 was created 24 years ago, and it was created with the intent during the Clinton administration, with the intent of allowing platforms, really these internet bulletin boards, to scale and grow without being accountable for the content that was on them and having any sort of liability in the same way that a traditional media company would have liability. And that's the difference between being a platform and a content provider. Correct. Mm -hmm. And it worked as intended, right? I mean, we've now, you know, big social's basically been spawned out of Section 230 and and its dominance and its scale. There appears to be bipartisan agreement that without amending 230, big social continues to run amok and there's no accountability for anything on the platform. They don't have to do anything about hate speech. They don't have to do anything about content that incites violence. They don't have to do anything about things that are absolutely disruptive to to democracy. And from my testimony, that hearing... Uh, there appeared to actually be general agreement that something needs to happen and that Section 230 needs to be amended dramatically uh, in a way that big social actually starts to bear some of the load and responsibility that a traditional content provider. We didn't get into the specifics during the hearing. Mm-hmm. I think basically you need to do the same thing with Section 230 that the government did with privacy which is that you just you need really onerous penalties and there needs to be accountability and liability associated with 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 content on the platform that creates harms. And it was really even hard to change some section 230 stuff uh, for example online just advertising a prostitution advertising underage women or girls for prostitution I mean there was a big fight to try to get some control of that. You know, there was a big fight with privacy. I mean, the FTC basically threatened for years that they were going to go after Facebook for leaking data and losing data and users not having control. And then finally, in 2019, they said, look, you're going to pay a $5 billion fine. And here are the penalties. This is serious. Well, they had signed a consent decree, right? Correct. And the consent decree, they violated it, right? Yes, correct. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and couldn't the FTC have just said, okay, uh, we'd like a hundred billion dollars. Yeah, in fact, I think there was a lot of criticism that five billion was too low, although they got their act together on privacy. They haven't had privacy issues since they paid that fine. Yeah, it really is interesting. You know, I... I did radio, right? So that's broadcast, right? This is when I was doing Air America. And at the time, we were live. And I'm like a lot of Americans, like some Americans. I'm not proud of this, but I'll use the F word every once in a while. Something like that, right? I could have gotten fined a million dollars if I had done that on live radio. And I didn't. Maybe that was why I didn't. But you could lie all you wanted, (laughs) <laughs> you could just lie, 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 lie. Sean Hannity did nothing but lie. I was on Air America. I didn't lie. 
at least knowingly ever say, dispense information that wasn't true. This guy, that's all he did. That's all he did. But I was the one who could get fined for using one of George Carlin's seven words. And I thought, like, why, why couldn't the FCC just say, oh, if you lie, but if someone flags it and says, okay, Sean Hannity said this specific lie, FCC, tell him he can't say this specific lie again, or he gets fined. What's wrong with that? Why can't you do that? It just seems like we're all fucked up in terms of how we regulate communications in this country. There, I've said it. <laughs> okay. Um, so you're saying, I, I think Section 230 is uh, what we're talking about then, huh? Yeah. You remember when I, earlier in this discussion, I said constitutional issues? Yes. And you kind of said, what? What? <laughs> I actually kind of think that if this were done, right, and we're done in an effective way, there would be, I just see the nine members of the Supreme Court at ultimately getting before them. I think that's probably right. Although, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you craft this. And it's certainly out of my depth in terms of the specifics, but I certainly can speak to the, the harms because I've seen them like, you know, like a lot of people. And as the film explains, the harms are pretty clear. But, you know, the solution is tricky. And, and I think, you know, again. the fact that you're out of your death is not your problem. It's my problem. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked you to solve all this. So yes, yes. That was I mean, look, mistake. It's, it's a mess. It's tricky. Boy, oh boy. This just, I got more questions now than when I started. It's heady. I know. Most, most of the time, I like to have guests on that by the end of the, the podcast, I don't, we've solved it. Yeah. Well, I think this is, this was a little bit of the dilemma of the film, as the film was called, Social Dilemma. If you read the reviews of this film, the consensus criticism is like, well, what's the solution? Thanks for laying out the problem, which it does a great job of. And, and I think that the filmmaker would say, well, look, we had to get to shared truth. That was my job. That was my objective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The film, the film is is a great service. It's it's a, a huge jumping off point for addressing this. Yep. But I don't know exactly what the answer uh, to this one is. And but we will continue to explore it. And thank you for being with us. And uh, thank you for doing uh, doing the film. And. Uh, sorry you did what you did in your your job well, we didn't what well, we didn't cover al is that i <laughs> i now have a company that's focused on building solutions that help people with this i've been working on oh, well tell us about that for god's sakes let's <laughs> let's end up let's end on something future looking optimistic <laughs> so the company that i run is called moment and we build a series of of apps uh, ironically, that help people really understand how they use their phones and and give them ways to use it more deliberately. Because that is a problem as shown in the movie, that people just, just react, 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 react. The algorithms point to give them triggers to do things they don't even really realize they're doing. Yes. Ad addictive stuff. So Moment is, a, is, is an app yes. that helps you go like, oh, I see. Yep. I'm using my time poorly. Yep. And there, we've had 8 million people uh, use the app, so quite a few people. And it really, the people who stay engaged with it basically tell us that 
you know, when they reduce the amount of time they spend on their phone, most people spend four or five hours a day with moment. They're able to reduce that to two or three hours a day. And when people do that, they are uh, more present. Um, they have better relationships and they feel happier. Uh, okay. Well, there you go. Al, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed uh, listening. That beautiful music is by Leo Kotke, the great Leo Kotke. I want to thank Peter Ogburn for producing this podcast. We'll talk again next week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The early 2000s was a wild time for reality TV. There seemed to be an endless supply of shows that delivered entertainment for us, but trauma for children. I'm Misha Brown, the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each week on The Big Flop, comedians join me to chronicle the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? We recently looked behind the scenes of what was really going on at Abby Lee Miller's dance studio. Abby's biggest misstep wasn't screaming nonsensical catchphrases or throwing chairs on television, but instead, she was choreographing financial fraud in plain sight. Join me to break down all the wild details of Abby Lee Miller's story. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Once upon a beat, remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the new kids and family podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat.